Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the DFS Dreamer Podcast, the off-season edition here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am Wes Easley, one of your hosts, at Loafing It over there on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. We entreat you. We ask you to go out there and make sure you slap some stars around whenever you're listening to it on the iTunes app or if you're listening to it on Google Play. I don't know if they got star squares. I don't know what they got. But make sure you leave a review, too. Those things always help out a lot with the show. And we have, I, I know I've been been saying this a little bit, Pierre, uh, in the past, and I'm working on it. It's a slow process for me. Anyway, it's a slow process for me. We have something very special planned for the listeners coming up in the next couple of weeks. A good offer with hopefully uh, what is going to be a partnership with, uh, uh, I guess, a, a DFS site is what they're called, a DFS site, Pierre. I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it'll be good to get back into the, the DFS flow, too. So I know you know, we mostly discuss NFL DFS, but, you know, I dabble in a little bit of everything. Uh, but right now it's the off season for NFL DFS. Just had the big NFL draft, uh, a lot of teams changing, and we'll, we'll dive into one of those divisions here in a bit. Yes, we will. And that is my friend Pierre at Wee 31 over on Twitter. Make sure you follow him along as well. Now, Pierre, I am on location today. I am in the front room. Tomorrow is a big graduation day, uh, kind of year-end celebration for all the homeschoolers. We homeschool uh, my daughters, and it's and my, my wife is very involved in all that. So she's coordinating <laughs> other things in our in my normal laboratory here in, at uh, Fantasy Impact Today Studios. So I am on location, and I am looking out the front window at a bunch of kids playing out in the yard and stuff so if you hear me start yelling you'll know why all right <laughs> that's a good view i mean let them let them have fun let them be kids don't don't be scrooge on the other side of that window yeah they, but they leave things all in my yard all the time i got bottles gatorade bottles water bottles i got wrappers i got i gotta go out there and pick that stuff up i lost it with them the other day they got a fan down from a top shelf in my garage and i'm like who got the fan down and they, they start they start pointing at each other. They start pointing at each other, right? Nobody wants to. I said, "Who's got the fan? Y'all leave such a stuff." Out. <laughs> I lost oh my! It sounds like, get off my lawn. It was it was a little bit of that. Gotta I, let kids I, be kids. <laughs> well, I know, but the, I can't have anything nice anymore. Nothing nice. I bought you threw that out the window. <laughs> yeah, I bought them. I bought them ice cream. I apologize. I bought them. Ice cream. I didn't. It wasn't. That, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that good either. But it wasn't that bad. <laughs> We're all human. We are going to go over those NFL rosters a little bit more here because of so many offseason changes. Pierre, there's just tons of them. So I said, whenever yeah. we get together, let's go over these teams and let's go over these stuff. We're on the NFC South, and I think that we're going to kind of look at all these rosters at once. Not Well, we'll look at the NFC South, but then I want you to pick out who you think has the best roster in the NFC because it's the last division. You can go back and download those other episodes if you want to mm -hmm. hear our analysis on those uh, other divisions in that conference. And we're also going to go over the NBA playoffs. You've been keeping me abreast of that situation, which is always cool. I think I have picked out my winner the, of the NBA national uh, the NBA championship year. I picked okay. out my winner, buddy. I picked it out. And then we're going to go over those MLB leaderboards as well. Did you know King Kwan yeah. hit his first home run tonight, my friend? Oh, yeah? Is he back? Oh, yeah, he's back. He's back in, and uh, he's he, he better than ever. A towering, a monstrous 364-foot shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, he started off hot, and then the, the Guardians cooled off a bit, but good for him. I mean, Stephen Kwan got off to a really hot start, so uh, I'm sure there's be plenty to come. Uh, still young guy, 24, out of Oregon State, so we'll see if he continues to emerge. I know um, Jose Ramirez took, you know, a shorter deal. 
uh, from a money standpoint to, to stay in Cleveland. He likes it there. And they, they got a nice little roster still, even though they broke it up a bit after that 2016 World Series. Yes, they did. And I don't blame them. I mean, once you, know, once you get punched in the mouth there by the Cubs, you got to <laughs> break right. that up a little bit. That's, for, that that's right. for my friend Kangas right there. For Kangas. Hey, <laughs> well, we're going. Uh, hey, it's NFC West. You said South a couple of times. Uh, oh, did we're, I? we're on NFC West uh, this I, time around. Well, you know, I got that Southern draw, people say. So I was in the South. And yes, <laughs> NFC West, we'll be out there with Seattle. But first, let's look at the basketball stuff because I, yes. I like this one a little bit. The Heat are dominating that series 2 nothing. No Joel Embiid the first couple of games. Is there any update? Uh, is he going to play? So he's been ruled out for tomorrow, which is game three. But reports are is it was basically just a deadline uh, to rule out. Um, there's still a little hope that he can play and he's kind of wanting to play, uh, but he's dealing with concussion. Obviously that happened at the end of that Raptor series, uh, but right now it says ruled out. But from what I've read, there's reports that that's more of a semantics type of situation. It's still possible that he could be upgraded uh, by tomorrow. Why can't we see him in one of those black LeBron James masks? You know, the face mask <laughs> or, or was the Joel Embiid? He wore that maybe one time too, or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's usually like a, a nose break, not necessarily a concussion. Doesn't he have the eye socket thing going on? Yeah. I think that's potentially bright light. I, I hear it's bothering really, really bad right now. Um, he even talked about like just the, the light on his phone being too bright, which makes me think he's not using dark mode or something, but uh, either or, I hope he can get back. Uh, I think he's a he's a game changer, obviously, potential sure. MVP of the league, uh, and they'll need him. If they don't have him, uh, you, you see what happens. Miami's just going to run right through them. James Harden is not the guy that everyone thinks he is. Or ever was. Was he ever that guy, though? I mean, was he? He wasn't. That? So he's, he's very good at drawing fouls. Um, when you look at his offense ability, um, he's probably the best in the league at drawing fouls. Um, as for the rest of his game, I've never been too impressed. He can score, but a lot of that score, again, comes from the, the free throw line. Uh, I think a lot of his stats were kind of padded in situations in Houston uh, because of those situations. And when he's on actual teams, he has a hard time, you know, fitting in because he needs a bunch of shot attempts. He needs to get the fouls call, the foul calls from the referees, the officials. If that doesn't happen, then he's really not the, the all-star superstar that everyone thinks he is, in my honest opinion. Yeah, I think he could end up being a good spot-up shooter at some point. You know, I mean, I know that's what he kind of is, but to depend on him to be the superstar anymore, it just doesn't feel like it's that 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 uh, is in the cards anymore for him. The Bucks and the Celtics are at one and one in this series. Mm -hmm. uh, boy, I, when I see, I don't watch basketball all the time, and and I just it just never never works out that way for me. And <laughs> whenever I see Ankatoko, Ankatoko, is that right? Ankatoko, Ankatoko, I don't know. Antetokounmpo, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'll call him Giannis. How about Antetokounmpo? There you go. Uh, yeah. When I see Giannis, <laughs> I like you're tickling a baby or something. He seems to have gotten so big out there. I know he's always been a tall guy, but man, that guy has been in the weight room. He oh, is yeah. he is yoked, dog. I mean, he is stacked now. He, I don't he's, know. he's earned the Greek freak title. Um, wow. He's definitely been the way, especially if you look like his rookie, his rookie picks, like he was a little thin guy and he's, he's definitely bulked up. As I said, I, I think he's the best player in the league. He's worked on his jump shot a bit. Um, he's so hard to stop down low when he's on the run, driving to the basket. Now, this is a good series though, because Boston is really good defensively. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know. I think it would be a little better for the Bucks if, if Chris Middleton was healthy. Sure. With him being out, that kind of takes away one of those scoring weapons, and it's a lot on Giannis and Drew Holiday. Uh, so this is going to be a good series. I know the games haven't necessarily said so. Uh, Bucks kind of won convincingly game one, then Boston, you know, blew them out game two. Obviously, it's going to shift to Milwaukee, but there's going to be some close games here in this series uh, as we get, you know, a little more down to game five, game six, et cetera. Back in my heyday, I used to think that I could beat NBA players in, in a basketball game. I really did. Like, <laughs> selective now, like in a game of 21, I thought I could beat Shaq in a game of 21, especially if it didn't matter if the free throws were from the free throw <laughs> line or if they were from the three-point line. I thought I could beat Shaq because I could thought I thought I could out-hustle him, you know? <laughs> if he ever missed a shot and I got a rebound, I, hey, I could shoot now. I could shoot. But uh, I, whenever I look at this, I think that in reality, it would it would have been more like Grayson Allen trying to defend uh, Brown the other night, you know, when, when Grayson <laughs> Allen ended up on the floor. Well, the NBA players are, like, big. Like, you don't realize yes. it on tv but when you go to these live games if you're you're sitting like down you know lower lower level you realize how big these guys actually are like i used to think they were small and i remember uh going to a pacers game and i always thought travis diener uh, guard out of marquette was so tiny on the court uh i had some really good seats and I, I pull up and we're like the same size like i'm the same height as travis diener i'm thinking i'm towering over this guy so there there's some big men uh, within the NBA, and yeah, you're definitely on something for for Shaq because I don't know if you'd ever get the ball with that big guy. He got a shoot, shot or no shot. Even those guys that you know you think can't shoot, they can shoot. Uh, it may not be the the percentage, but if no one's guarding them, no pressure, uh, they can shoot uh, more often than not. This includes Ben Simmons, who a lot of people give a a lot of you know just don't think he can shoot. You know, he got traded out of Philly. He can shoot when he's just practicing and no one's around him. So that, that changes a lot of things. The human Skittle. That's what my new nickname is for Ben <laughs> Simmons. No, professional athletes are huge. They don't look very huge on television. I think all of us that watch sports and have seen them live realize that. I went to a Titans-Bears game, and I was had really good seats, too. I was down low, and I was like, holy cow. <laughs> what what did those people eat? You know, and the, granted, they were in shoulder pads and everything, but I'm thinking, wow. I didn't know oh, yeah. guys were that big. Uh, Suns and Mavericks. And Mavericks, uh, they just might as well go home. Don't even show up for game three. This one's over. The Suns lead the series 2-0. I don't think that the Mavericks can do it with just a one-man show, for sure. And I I love, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I love that Suns perimeter defense. And -hmm. I think that they're really being able to lock down the Mavericks. And I wonder if they're going to be able to do that to the Warriors, if the Warriors make it that far. I mean, that's that's the series. I've said it. You can go back and listen. I I thought it was going to be Phoenix. Warriors uh, conference finals. We'll see if we get there. The series doesn't start um, until you went on the road. So yeah, the the Mavericks lost two there in Phoenix. Luca does seem like a a one man show, but road players play better at home also. So keep that in mind. So we'll, we'll see how Game Three goes. I believe that's tomorrow night. Uh, Luca there at home back in Dallas. If they can get one, then it becomes a series. Obviously, if Phoenix wins there, goes up three zero, it's going to look pretty bleak. But you got to win on the road first, uh, I feel, before it actually becomes a series. Uh, we've seen that in the other two matchups when you got the Grizzlies, Warriors, Bucks, Celtics, like the Bucks and the Warriors have won on the road. So that's already a series. These other two, you know, Miami, Phoenix, they still got to win on the road uh, to show that this is a series. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And the Warriors Grizzlies are tied at one apiece. John Morant's playing lights out. But once again, I think that that's a one man show. And I think the Warriors uh, team defense will be able to handle all that going on. Plus, I just think it's in the cards. That we do see a Chris Paul and a Draymond Green matchup. I just, I just think it's there. <laughs> so I think, I think Memphis is good. So I think they're more than Morant. They got a lot of young talent. You know, um, you got Jaron Jackson Jr. He's playing yeah. better. He, if he can stay out of foul trouble, Desmond Bain, guy from Richmond, Indiana. You know, he's playing well. Yeah, Jock kind of took over that last game, but I mean, they've been a team effort. They were the best team with him hurt for multiple weeks uh, in a stretch there in the regular season also. So they're talented. But as I stated, the Warriors just have that tenure. They have that chemistry. You know, you got Curry, you got Clay, who really hasn't shot the ball well. If Clay finds his shot, you know, they could be in trouble because Jordan Poole's playing really well off the bench. Draymond, you know, holds it together if he can hold it together. <laughs> so uh, it's fun, and that's getting ready to shift, uh, you know, out to, to go to the state as well. So we'll see how that, that plays out, how that series plays out. It's been the most entertaining so far. Uh, I do give the Warriors the upper hand, but I don't want you to – I don't want. I don't like the Memphis as a one-man show. I think they're more than Morant. I think there's more talent around Morant than there is around Luka and Dallas. Okay, but Terrell Jackson, he's going to end up getting hurt. It's a matter of days before he gets hurt. Uh, minutes maybe out there on the court. You know he's going to get hurt out there. I mean, he's, he's still talented, though. He's a good shot blocker. can shoot the three. Um, Steven Adams, he hasn't played in this series. I don't know. I think he's hurt. Uh, he was their starting center, and he didn't yeah. see action in that Minnesota series at all. I thought that was a matchup thing. Uh, but now he's injured. But, you know, he's a bruiser. He can go down there, you know, get some rebounds, you know, get into to Draymond a bit. He could change some things, too. Uh, but I do think they're talented enough uh, to win games uh, in spite of John Morant. But I just think the, the Warriors are probably a little too much for them just because their their history, their chemistry and them being used to, to playing with each other. Yeah, and yeah, that's that's a young team. That's a young team. All right, let's mm-hmm. get over to the NFL, Pierre. You're listening to the DFS Dreamer podcast, where we do uh, during the regular season of the N, uh, the NFL. Each week, we go through all the lineups, or the main slate, anyway, on the DFS Dreamer podcast over on DraftKings. We're going to do that again this season. I'm going to try and mix in a little bit of Yahoo because I am not a, uh, <laughs> I'm not a snob like you are, Pierre. Oh, I like, boy, here I we like go. to mix in my Yahoo uh, rankings as well, so I like to do that. All right, so let's. Work. you said we're in the uh, West. NFC not West, the, yes. Not the South. I, I, I don't know why I always call that the South. I... Well, they they changed in my lifetime so many different times, Pierre. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, like they, I, it's just in my lifetime, I've seen divisions change. I've seen conferences. It's just crazy, man. It uh, happened so. here because the the coach used to be in the AFC East. Um, that's why we were play like New England, Buffalo, those teams. Now we're in the South, and we're not South at all. <laughs> we're we're up Midwest, you know, towards the North, right below Michigan. So I'm not sure how we ended up in that the AFC South, but I'm very thankful to be in that conference now. But, yeah, we're in the NFC West, and thankfully all these teams are out West, so we're good here. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Arizona Cardinals depth chart this year. Kyler Murray, of course, is the quarterback, right? I mean, they're still, yes? He's he's the guy. I mean, I know they had the the, the issues where he, you know, removed all their stuff from Instagram. He wants to to have an extension, get paid like some of these big-time quarterbacks are getting paid. But I think they've they've mended defenses a little bit. Uh, they went out and traded for, you know, Hollywood Brown now, got him a, a weapon uh, even more big with DeAndre Hopkins getting suspended for the performance enhancing drugs. So 
Uh, I think Kyler's going to definitely be under center, whether that extension comes this year or not. Who knows? But they'll ultimately take care of him. Quarterbacks are hard to come by. You know, he's their franchise guy, so he'll get paid eventually. Yeah, and it looks like James Conner, who we had noticed that they really liked there, and they they really loved him. They started giving him all the touches it felt like each and every week, definitely the preferred mm-hmm. back even at the goal line. And when I saw him start getting receptions last year, I went, oh, they really like James Conner. And he stuck around there as well. Yeah, he's he's going to be the, the, the clear-cut guy because Chase Edmonds, I believe, is in Miami now. So it's going to be Conner's backfield. You may see Eno Benjamin – you know, get involved a bit. Just uh, you don't want Connor to get hurt. He's got a little injury history uh, back when he was with the Steelers. But I do think he'll be the RB1 there in Arizona. So he'll, he'll definitely hopefully start off his, his DFS season a little cheaper uh, once yeah. we get to that time because uh, he'll, he'll be a value for sure. Maybe so. Uh, and look at the backup there for Marquise Brown. Do you see the backup here? Do you know what his name is? Antoine Wesley, Antoine <laughs> Wesley right there. Uh, but Marquise Brown is there, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, and of course, the, the great wide receiving core. And we even saw Wesley do some really good things. And Isabella, you know, I mean, you're talking about them guys. And DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, there's tons of weapons there for Kyler Murray. For him to say that he might want to switch teams or get paid more and have the threat. Look, you're not going anywhere, Kyler. You got a big, great offense right there. And it's up to you to be able to utilize those weapons. I, I really think that maybe there's more pressure on him than what we realize because I see a bunch of weapons there. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't take them to the playoffs of past the first round this year, <laughs> I, I'm going to be terribly disappointed in him. Zach Ertz too. Yeah, I think they, they're going to need Hopkins. Um, I'm not too big on their receiving core. Um, I know the names are familiar, but um, Hollywood Brown, he has some inconsistencies in, in Baltimore. Could part of that be the accuracy of Lamar Jackson? I don't know. Um, but, I mean, he had drops as well. I know even beginning last season, he he had like three drops against the Lions alone uh, where he was wide open. And they don't really have the the size without Hopkins as well. A.J. Green's big, but he's getting old. I know you, you like Wesley. Uh, kind of combines your name there. But, you know, he's he's still, you know, not one of those big-name players. There's hope for Rondell Moore. Smaller guy. He couldn't stay healthy at Purdue. Uh, definitely powerful, but, you know, he's a smaller receiver. Same with Andy Isabella, who they were thinking about potentially even trading before the, the Hopkins news broke. So I'm not too big on their receiving core. You did mention Zach Ertz. Uh, they drafted Trey McBride, who many thought was going to mm-hmm. be the, the top tight end in the draft. So they, they do have, you know, the, the tight end packages that they can run out, two tight ends. Uh, that could help them quite a bit just because I really don't think that wide receiving core is as great as you think it is. Well, I think it's, I think in name, definitely. I agree with you mm-hmm. in name. And we've seen where Rondell Moore, I guess, shines a little bit more whenever they, they didn't have all the weapons there. It seemed like a preferred mm-hmm. option for Kyler Murray, but I agree with you. DeAndre Hopkins is that red zone target. I'm just worried about him. Not, not a lot of games played for DeAndre Hopkins. It feels like the last mm-hmm. couple of years, you know? And what's interesting is like all these former Texans are, are kind of getting mm. popped for this performance enhancing. So you got him now. You had uh, Will Fuller when he was with the Texans. Bradley Roby was another Texan. A.J. Boye. So all these guys had the same trainer uh, there for Houston. So it's one of those situations where there's smoke, there's fire, and you wonder if there's any other Texans or former Texans that have been working out with this guy that are, are maybe trusting him or putting things in their, in a, in their body that you know they, they shouldn't be because it's popping up on these tests. 
But Hopkins was, you know, one of the, the top wide receivers in the NFL. Couldn't stay healthy a lot, you know, last year. So how's he going to come back from this suspension? What's he going to look like? That's a big question mark, I feel. If he can be the DeAndre Hopkins of old, then, you know, he's going to fit right in. All of a sudden, I like this receiving core. But there's just question marks now because of that issue with his suspension now. DeAndre Hopkins, for fantasy purposes and redraft purposes, is usually one of those wide receivers we talk about kind of going mm-hmm. first off the board. Maybe not first off the board, but, you know, I mean, first couple of rounds, DeAndre Hopkins, big name. Now where does he fall? Yeah. I mean, is it? It's going to be down because it's six games. You, you think about six oh, games, six games. Yeah. and that's kind of similar to how many thought with, of Michael Thomas when he was on the pup. And you're looking probably six, seventh round, I feel, just because he's going to miss, you know, a good portion of the season there with six games. Who gets drafted first, Marquise Brown or DeAndre Hopkins? It'll be Marquise Brown because folks yeah. want the immediate impact. And right now he's going to come in as, as wide receiver one on this team. So they'll, they'll take him over Hopkins. Who gets drafted first, Antonio Wesley or Devontae Adams? All right, uh, let's go over to the <laughs> Seahawks. Let's go to the Seattle Seahawks depth chart here. <laughs> wow. That wow. Was, hey, you made you laugh, so we might as well keep it going here. Uh, look, seriously, they, they went traded, you know, the big trade, the Russell Wilson to Denver. They got Drew Locke in return. I'm sure they got this piece and that piece, too. You don't know if I'm everything. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Uh, my question is, Drew Locke, does Drew Locke start or does Geno Smith start? And I know that sounds silly to some people. Yeah. But Geno Smith, regardless of what we want to say, in the little time that he had, and you know I love backup quarterbacks who you know, <laughs> used, used to play. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but he had a, it seemed like he had a connection with DK Metcalf. It, it just didn't be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he came in a bit when, when Russ was hurt, when he had that finger issue last yeah. year. And he looked serviceable in some of those games. And there was a couple that he had on the opportunity to win. And I actually do think Geno Smith will probably – Went out. Um, Drew Locke wow. just, I like his swagger, but I just never, he's pretty inconsistent. Um, that showed in Denver, you know, obviously he got beat out by Bridgewater there, but it'd be the same type of situation. I think Geno Smith's just more safe. He's been in this offense already. You know, he's mm-hmm. been on this team. He's familiar. So he, he kind of has the upper hand. Uh, so I, I do think Geno's going to beat out Drew Locke. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they maybe look at potentially bringing in a Baker Mayfield type. Uh, as well. Um, I know that that may not happen until, you know, June, July, depending on how, you know, training camp opens up. But that's a team I think to look out for because they have weapons there. As you mentioned, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Noah Fant. They have guys that, you know, you can throw to. You could roll with Geno, but I mean, if you feel like you're in a window to compete, uh, I think you might need to go out and get a, a quarterback. I don't know if Baker's that guy, but I don't know if he's not that guy either. No, I, I I agree with you. And what is swagger? I mean, Drew Locke, he, he you know, he, yeah, Drew Locke is Drew Locke. At, at this point, the running back room, Rashad Penny, really having a, fa- a fantasy impact at the end of last season. Boom, you know, Rashad Penny. Finally, oh, yeah. we get to see a healthy Rashad Penny. But can we depend on these guys, Rashad Penny or Chris Carson, in this running back room? And and who is Ken Walker the third? So he's a he's a rookie that they drafted. So they they took him in the draft. Uh, I think he'll he'll have an opportunity. Uh, I do think Penny's going to be the guy. He's going to be the the one they lean on again. He closed the season really really well. Uh, Chris Carson, there's still questions on if he's going to be able to play. You look at the, I think it was his neck that kind of kept him out uh, most of the year. So that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough to come back, especially as a running back itself. 
but Kenneth Walker, I mean, he was the the main bell cow there at Michigan State. Uh, had a pretty good season. I know he ran up and down uh, against my Hoosiers, which isn't saying much, but uh, he, he's definitely talented. And, you know, we've had running backs from Michigan State see success. Le'Veon Bell went there as well. So he'll, he'll definitely get opportunities. He'll probably be more spelling Penny. I think Penny will, will get the start because of how he did close the season. But Kenneth Walker will, will be in play. And a lot of teams like to do running back by committee now to keep guys fresh. Sure you know, keep him from getting banged up. So he'll, he'll definitely um, be in play. Uh, the The question marks would be Carson, whether he gets cleared, how his, his neck kind of comes around this, this upcoming season. Not a lot of depth. Just when I'm sitting here looking at this right now, I'm going, there's not a lot of depth. And we know Tyler Lockett gets banged up a little bit. DK Metcalf <laughs> has missed some time in the past. Noah Font just can't seem to stay on the field for very long whatsoever. Pierre, this, this, this is going to be a, rough season for Seattle it looks like from the start of things I think yeah. I think the first person I may draft from Seattle might be Jason Myers their place kicker that's my <laughs> potentially I mean it's really tough obviously you can't predict injuries but they they do have some top one guys like you said Lockett DK but it gets a little dicey um after that you do have Dwayne uh, Excrich who they they drafted last year early on I believe second third round uh, he got a little injured you know last year as a rookie and most most receivers, you know, they don't tend to have a great rookie season. Uh, they tend to, to kind of break out a bit in, in year two. I know we saw that in Indy with, with Michael Pittman. You do have some rare circumstances like your Jamar Chases and stuff where they just come out, you know, around the gates really hot. But I, I keep an eye on Eskrich as well just to see how they kind of mm-hmm. incorporate him in the offense. But, yeah, other than that, behind those two main uh, receivers, it gets a little dicey. Same for tight end. Fent goes down. I think we know who Will Disley is. So it would be tough. And you add on the division after in, it's probably just going to be a really bad season for the Seahawks without Russell Wilson. Once again, we, we talk about DK Metcalf being one of those elite wide receivers that get drafted early in drafts. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the first five off the board, maybe. I, I, I'm just mm-hmm. thinking about that off the top of my head. Not this year. Right. We can't. No, no, you can't trust DK Metcalf this year. I mean, that was Russell Wilson that we were drafting his his receivers with. Now, we're not drafting uh, <laughs> Geno Smith's receivers uh, very confidently, are we? Well, I mean, what did you say just a moment ago? I know. Uh, I know. He I know had what a pretty I said, good connection with DK and it could be a, a point where he forces it to him. And it could be Lockett that kind of ends up being the odd man out. They're working on getting him an extension. Uh, getting him paid, keeping him in Seattle. So you, you could definitely see targets kind of forced his way uh, in this offense. So it's possible. I mean, I, I wouldn't discount it just because Russell Wilson's not there. But I mean, top five again? I don't know. I, I, that's that's tough. I, I, that was it tough is. for me. It's tough. That it's tough. tough. That's tough. I, I think I'll let the next guy and go, I should have done it. I should have done it. Let's jump over to your San Francisco 49ers. That's yours. I don't know. Is it? I don't no. know. You don't like no. Trey Lance? You don't like Jimmy Garoppolo? What are they going to do? Are they going to? I don't like Jimmy Garoppolo. No, uh, I'm so glad we didn't trade for him. Which there were rumors that the coats were answering. I'm happy for Matt Ryan, but it'll be interesting because there's been reports that the 49ers aren't thrilled with Trey Lance's progress. I, know. I don't know how true that is. I thought he looked he looked pretty good when when he got a chance last year. He had some rushing upside. Uh, made some pretty good big throws. I think the key is going to be who he's throwing to. Hopefully they can figure out what's going on with Debo. But, I mean, I, I think Lance has a, a talented, strong arm. Uh, he showed that at the combine, and, you know, they went up and got him. 
there was rumors that, you know, Mac Jones was potentially going to be that pick there. It wasn't. It was Trey Lance. And I think they got to give him an opportunity, uh, even though Jimmy G, you know, great jobs led them to, you know, the deep in the playoffs, multiple years, went to a Super Bowl loss in Kansas City. But he's coming off a, a shoulder surgery, may not be throwing until July himself. So Trey Lance should have every opportunity to to kind of take this starting job. And if he does, he has weapons around him to be successful. They have a good defense on the other side. So it's set up pretty well for him to to kind of go out there and, and make a name for himself. Whether he does that or not is going to depend on his work ethic and, you know, what he's doing behind the scenes. Yeah, I think that that's what that kind of coach speak is, is saying that Trey Lance, you know, we're not thrilled with Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. I think that you got to feel out that we don't know who Trey Lance is, but I'm yep. going to trust that the San Francisco 49ers coaching staff does and whether it he needs praise or whether or not he needs pushing, you know, mm-hmm. to do better. And and uh, I think that that's what that is. I think that that's coach speak. That's Trey Lance's job. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, we, we know who Jimmy Garoppolo is and he was not exactly. to the promised land. All right, we got to get Trey Lance in there. Hey, Close. <laughs> and look, well, he did. Uh, and Jimmy Jimmy G is going to be a formidable backup to Trey Lance at some point and get another shot, and then we'll have a whole other co- quarterback controversy in San Francisco. Hey, look at the running backs, Pierre. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I don't know how many running backs does San Francisco need to make it help <laughs> throughout the entire season. Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr., Jermichael Hasty, Trey Sermon, they are all going to play a part again this year, and they are loaded and stacked back there because it's not the 49ers RBs. It's the 49ers yeah. running back situation or system. Yeah, it's their system, uh, the Shanahan system. You saw it in Denver uh, with his dad when they had you know a bunch of guys running through there. So it's it's definitely a similar thing. I think Elijah Mitchell is going to get the, the chance, obviously, to start. Looked really good uh, last year as well. It'll be interesting what happens with Sermon. I know a lot of folks were big on him. Uh, looked really good at Ohio State, but, you know, he could barely see the field uh, there for San Francisco last year, even with all the injuries they had mm-hmm. to, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr., Jermichael Hasty, uh, Mitchell was banged up. You know, Trey Sermon still couldn't get going. Another year under his belt. We'll see how that plays out. But I do think it's Eliza Mitchell's uh, job to steal. I think they even drafted uh, um, is it Tyrion da- uh, Davis-Price. Uh, they took in the draft as well. So we'll see how it kind of plays out. But as you stated, it's a system. So whoever's back there who's ever getting the opportunities, you're probably going to want them in the lineup if they're not splitting a bunch of carries with the others. Yeah, or splitting carries with Debo Samuel. Uh, you know, that's, that's another concern of mine whenever I'm driving. I don't think they can because from what I've heard, his, his one of his main complaints is how they are doing that. He doesn't want to be a running back, have his body take that toll. You know, he, he wants to be a receiver from, from what I've heard, and that's been some of the, the, the complaints that he's had and why he's, he's requested a trade, whether they honor that, probably not. Uh, but if they don't, you're going to have to listen to him. And, you know, he's going to be a free agent at some point otherwise. So I think you'll see him not be as involved in the rushing attack. They can still do gadget plays, get the ball in his hands. But I don't think he wants those handoffs uh, as a running back, which is going to cap his shelf life as a player. Yeah, and that's why they brought in Ray Ray McLeod as a backup to him just to be able to do that. I think I really honestly I think I think that uh, uh, Shanahan, of course, he probably saw the talent that was in Depot and wanted to utilize mm-hmm. it and get him as many touches as possible all over the field. And I can appreciate that. We have Debo, we have Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings is still there as a mm-hmm. wide receiver as well. And I do Danny like Gray. Of, it, huh? They uh, also drafted Danny Gray out of SMU Speedster there. Yeah, and I liked Ray Ray McLeod. I like that pickup as well for them. So uh, they 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 got a lot of hands on deck. Yep. 
And George Kittle, of course, is always the perennial guy. I've been, <laughs> I've been thinking about this, and I got a guy who I talk to a lot about fantasy sports uh, uh, day in and day out at work. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I asked him, I said, okay, is it Kelsey or Andrews that you draft first at tight end? Because, you know, you always think about Kelsey as being that guy who gives you the, the, the tight end advantage if you draft him, right? But Andrews mm-hmm. is there too. He, I, you know, Andrews has got to be in that same. I don't want to say same category as Kelsey, but real close. Yeah. And Kittle used to be it there. It is close. Yeah, but it Kittle close, used to be there too. But Kittle's not there anymore, right? I mean, he, he's not, but that could change. I mean, with, with Trey Lance potentially. Uh, so you got to keep that in mind as well. I know he seemed to have a better rapport with, with Garoppolo, but they like to use him to block because they're they're a run first offense and so Kittle's one of the best tight end blockers as well uh so he doesn't run I, I don't feel as many routes as those other two it's starting to get closer with with Kelsey and Andrews uh Andrews I think finished uh, higher last year uh but you got to think about the Tyreek Hill situation now mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. the Chiefs he's gone mm-hmm. uh, usually when he's out of the lineup that's more targets peppered at Kelsey will teams try to take him away without Tyreek I don't know. You know, you now have the Ravens without Hollywood Brown as well. So maybe they try to take Andrews away. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic uh, now that both of those teams lost their, lost their top wide receivers. I, I think I still tend to lean Kelsey. I know he's he's older. He's up in age. But, you know, Andy Reid, I feel, is a, a better offensive, you know, type-minded coach uh, versus Harbaugh, who focuses on the defense. Uh, I think Mahomes is a better passer as a quarterback than Lamar Jackson. So when you take that into account, that's why I'm still leaning uh, Kelsey. But it's close. It's closer than I think it was last year. I took Kelsey uh, first round in the the Scott Fishbowl last year. worked out for me. I made the conference finals uh, with him there. And that's just the the dynamic of having one of those type of tight ends that kind of sets you apart from the rest of the field who doesn't have that tight end. They can just lock in week over week, get you 15 to 25 points. But as of now, I still lean Kelsey, but it's not by a lot. Andrews is right on his tail. Kelsey, Andrews, Waller, then what? Uh, not Kittle. We can't put Kittle four, right? I, I think he's in the conversation still. Okay. You can't right. you can't remove him. You got to hope he stays healthy. Um, I'm pretty intrigued still with with Mike Gesicki. Mm-hmm. Um, as we as we mentioned. Tyreek kind of opened up some things for, mm-hmm. for Kelsey there in Kansas City. He's now down in Miami with Waddle. So you got two receivers that could open up uh, things for, for Gusecki. So um, I'll be interested. Hopefully Tua can get him the ball. He has some options now. Uh, but he's probably who I'm leaning right now for four just because I like the talent around him. Uh, I think they're going to take away some defenders and, and give him an opportunity to be the pass catcher that he is. Go there. Do not forget about go there, my friend. Ertz and Goddard. I mean, we, there's, there's another. We're talking about it. Hey, let's get, let's stop. Let's talk about the Super Bowl champion, the Los Angeles Rams. Step chart here. We can't talk about tight ends all night long. <laughs> we could, but, I mean, it, we could, but the Rams. Yeah, let's go with the Rams. Matthew Stafford, he's still the quarterback uh, extraordinaire for them. What a great season it was. I'm not going to say we were all rooting for Matthew Stafford, but it was cool to see Matthew Stafford win. I mean, it was was all right. I always like to see the old-time veterans kind of get in there, and he switched teams, and then he goes trolling with the AT&T commercial too, didn't he? (laughs) That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I love that commercial. (laughs) I was rooting for the Bengals personally, but I I do – 
I wasn't I wasn't mad that him and Cooper Cup uh, won a Super Bowl. But yeah, that commercial is awesome with the the whole shot at Detroit. I, I thought that was pretty good on marketing. There's a lot of commercials out there that stink, and, and people are getting paid for bad commercials. But that's a good one. Whoever whoever did that deserves the money that they're making. Okay, and and uh, you know Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. The big question for mm-hmm. me is. Uh, we got to say there's going to be some regression coming that way with Cooper Cup, but is there? I mean, I, I don't know. He, I thought that all season. Did you not think that all season oh, yeah. that teams would try to take him away? Mm-hmm. They didn't. I they didn't. Did. I think there was even a there's a defense that I don't know. It might have been Chris Ballard because uh, we we've needed a receiver in Indy. He said that good defensive coordinators find a way to take away those top wide receivers, and I'm like, there's. There's no good defensive coordinator in the NFL then because no one took away Cooper Cup <laughs> all year. All year, no matter what, it was Cooper Cup. And it, it didn't stop in the Super Bowl. It didn't stop anywhere. He dominated. So if that was the case, how are you going to take him away now? Weren't you trying to do it last year? Uh, yeah, I I hear what you're saying. I hear you clucking chicken, and I understand <laughs> that. And I listen, he's the first wide receiver off the board this year. And I was mm-hmm. thinking about redraft stuff, of course, and I think your guy, the running back there in Indianapolis, I think he's the first one off the board completely. You know, you just you, yeah. running backs are hard to find. And then I started going, be. who's number two? And <laughs> And I was talking to that guy, and I said, why not Cooper Cup? Why not? Why not Cooper Cup? That's and so I, I'm looking at this roster still, and I don't see. I see some turnover, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I got to say, you know, Cooper Cup is still in that place to be able to succeed. And why wouldn't they continue to have breakfast in the morning and then celebrate <laughs> in the end zone on Sunday afternoons? You know, some people are going to do it. Like he'll he'll go he'll go two behind Jonathan Taylor in some weeks. He may even go one. That's the kind of year he had. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how Allen, Allen Robinson is going to fit into the situation that they got him from your Bears, uh, signed him in the offseason. We were in on him, too. Uh, the Colts were – they had an offer on him as well, and he, he, he didn't like the fact we didn't have a quarterback at the time because <laughs> the, the rumors were out that, obviously, Wentz was was getting traded. So he, he picked the Rams, and I can't blame him, you know, living in L.A., Stafford throwing in the ball, but he has to get incorporated. There's still – a small possibility they bring back Odell Beckham Jr. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a free agent coming off the ACL injury. You got to think they're going to consider it given what he gave them uh, on the field, helping them get to that Super Bowl that they won. So there could be more weapons surrounding, but Cooper Cup's definitely 1A. So uh, it'll it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see drafts. Uh, mock draft season is going to be, you know, up and going, best ball season. It'll be fun to see where Cup is falling off the board because he'll, he'll definitely probably be the, the first wide receiver, uh, how many running backs um, are going to be taken before him or how many quarterbacks in, in super flex leagues will, will be the interesting part. Yeah, that it, it all depends on the league thing, of course. You did mention mm-hmm. Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, Odell Beckham, and they lost Bobby Trees. Bobby Trees is gone. I can't remember where mm-hmm. he went. Uh, and Titans. All this. I was going to say, is it was it the Titans? And, yep. Uh, so, so Bobby Trees is no longer there. Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson Jr., and I do not see a Sony Michelle on this roster anymore. Yeah, he's he's not there. He might be a free agent now, but uh, he, he kind of saw there in the playoffs. Once Akers got healthy, uh, it slowly became his backfield, and, and Henderson was kind of the guy, you know, early on as well. So they have both of them healthy. Might not have the need for uh, Sonny Michelle, uh, Kyron Williams, another guy they drafted out Notre Dame. Uh, that's a rookie, so they they have some depth that running back. Really, no need for Michelle this year. I do think it'll be the Cam Akers show, but. 
you never know what McVeigh he he'll he'll run the the hot hand and kind of has that Belichick type of attitude when it sometimes comes to his running back by committee. Tyler Higby and Kendall Blanton they got a stacked a stacked depth chart. Pierre, I was trying to think of uh, this as we wrapped up the NFC conference here. Who who had the best roster that we looked at? You know who who had the best roster? And then of course some things have changed since the last time. Uh, yeah. We went over like the NFC East, I believe, uh, w- with with the big trade of AJ Brown over there to Philadelphia. So it might just be hard to be able to diagnose who has the best roster at this point. But the draft is over, so I'll ask you: Who do you think has the best roster? Well, right now I would go with the Niners if Debo stays. Um, okay. I really like the the Forty ers I think they'll be more dynamic with Trey Lance than they were with. Garoppolo, uh, they gave the the Rams all types of troubles with Garoppolo last season. Um, I think they they have a better defense, which is tough to say because the Rams have a, a good defense as well. But, you know, you saw, uh, I don't know, Aaron Donald's back. Von Miller did leave. He went out to Buffalo. Uh, they they kind of restacked there too. But I'm going 49ers. I think they Top to bottom, both sides of the ball. I I think I prefer the the 49ers right now to the Rams. And all the NFC or just this division? Just this division. We're talking NFC West. (laughs) Okay, okay. I was just making sure. As I was trying to think of the entire NFC, I was going, man, that's a lot of teams, Wesley. How are you going to remember all those teams? I do too. I I like the the Rams. I think the – I think the Niners have got the most depth, and I, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go with that uh, because I don't know how much I trust the Cam Akers. I don't know how much I trust the Cooper Cup to stay healthy the entire time, so we'll have to see how that all goes. But I agree with you on that one. All right, Pierre, at Peewee31, a, a, a fountain of information, a fountain of NFL information, <laughs> a fountain of NBA information as well for the Fantasy Impact Today Network. You always bring it in hot and heavy each and every week, and we always talk redraft. We talk different things. Something I wanted to revisit just for a minute, Pierre, if you will amuse me. <laughs> at Lopenet over on Twitter. You can get mad at me over there, right? Uh-uh. Is I, I, well, no, I, you know, we talked about the Bible a little bit before, and I, I talked about it being crazy. I said, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. Whenever I listened back to it, I was like, well, crazy made me interpret a lot of things. I think you do. I meant that, like, those stories in there are shockingly crazy. Like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Wow, look at that. How the, you know, the resurrection of Jesus, for example. Wow, that's mm-hmm. kind of crazy whenever you think about it. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I think it's unbelievable. You know, I, I, I think that there's a lot of evidence for a lot of the different stories that we read about or all the different miracles that may have happened in the Bible. First mm-hmm. of all, you don't put stuff like that in there and then try and make it a factual book. You know, there'd be a fictional book if, if they were putting that stuff in there. Uh, whenever I look at the evidence for the Bible, I don't want to say it's crazy, unbelievable. I just mean like it's crazy, like, wow, I can't believe that thing. is. That's it, just so crazy. <laughs> I think that that's a term we I use as a kid more than what yeah. we use now, you know? Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, if you if you look and read the Bible, there's a lot that you can relate to the day. Um, you think about the thousands of years that, you know, this was written and put together, but you can, you can put that into a lot of today's world, today's society. And I think that's the, that's the important part. Like folks get so tied up and this, oh, how can you believe this? How can you believe that? Because it's happening now. If you, if you pay attention, if you open your eyes, if you kind of connect the dots, uh, the same struggles, um, that we see, you know, in the Bible back in the old Testament and the new Testament, they're the same struggles, of today's world 
Um, a lot of that's human related. <laughs> Humans, you know, seem to, to cause that, which you can read about. And for me, it just makes it makes sense. Like, that's how I can tie together this this world we're living in. The, the Bible helps me to, to piece that together, helps me to relate to what's happening, you know, in this world. And so to me, it's definitely not crazy because it helps me make sense of some of the chaos that's happening in the world around me today because I see it happening, you know, back then thousands of years ago. Well, and and like you said, you put it all together. There's nothing new under the sun. That's what the Bible even says. The book of Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. talks about that. And whenever I look at what the Bible does say about a lot of different problems or situations in the world, it gives good advice. It may not give the advice my my flesh wants to hear, right? But it gives me <laughs> advice that is sound wisdom. And for me, I was a young man and I grew up without a father. And so I didn't get a lot of good wisdom. Okay. I, I just didn't get a lot of good wisdom. I got taught a lot of things from the television. I got taught a lot of things from my peers. I got a lot taught a lot of things from a bar room is what I got taught a lot of. And yeah. and there wasn't a lot of great wisdom, but whenever I read the Bible, I was like, oh, so that's how you're supposed to do it. Oh, I see how you're supposed to treat people. Oh, and, and it, it, a lot of people will think that that is supposed to be second nature, but <laughs> it's actually sin nature. I think that it becomes first nature, and then you have to learn maybe a second nature, which the Bible mm-hmm. teaches us. And it's hard to apply all the time and at different times, but man, it, it's always good words of wisdom. It is. It is. I mean, you think of the, you know, slow to anger, you know, make sure you're, you know, slow to speak, be more listening. Like, I always say that the the Bible doesn't tell you to do anything awful. Um, It gives good advice. And and one thing I've always said is that personally, I feel my life is better from reading the Bible. So regardless of at the end of this life, what happens, uh, whether I'm wrong or whether I'm right, that, you know, Jesus is the Messiah. I've lived a better life because of believing in the Bible. If I'm if I'm wrong, I still live a better life here on earth than what I was living before I was a believer. If mm-hmm. I'm right, ooh baby, I I pray that you figure out that I'm right, you know, before your time ends. And that's just my <laughs> my dynamic. If I'm if I'm wrong, my life's been better regardless. If I'm right, ooh baby. Ooh, baby. I like, ooh, baby. And you got to have faith in something. Yeah, I mean, you got to have faith in whether you have a faith in science, whether you have a faith in, I say nothing, that's still faith in something. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so what a Christian does is he puts faith in the Bible. He puts faith in those answers, a faith of eternal life uh, in heaven at the end of everything, if mm-hmm. you are one of God's uh, uh, chosen people. Yeah, and, and everyone's chosen. You know, we, we all have a, a part to play. Um, there's a purpose and plan for all of us. And we got to remember that because I, I think that the reason a lot of people sour um, on Christianity is because of the Christians. And you see that throughout the Bible as well. Like when you look at who's uh, opposing Jesus, you know, it's the religious people. They're the ones opposing the, the Pharisees, etc. So again, you look at today's society and the the ones that that kind of sour those off of you know the the gospel are those that are supposed to be living and breathing the gospel and they're not and again that that takes place in the bible it takes place in today's world and that's something you have to realize um that you know jesus ultimately was you know put on the cross by religious people and it's tough to swallow but that's that's who we are that's that's our nature you know we're we're not perfect we, we're saying he died for our sins so all that kind of ties together um, in my opinion and how I view things. 
Well, uh, Pierre is preaching at Pee Wee Thirty One over there on Twitter. You can see the cross that he has on his uh, emblem there. What is it? Was it called? What, what does he have? <laughs> oh, a my banner on your yeah, banner. The banner on my yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, I got an Alabama thing, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> All right, but you can find me over there at Loafin' it. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Make sure you slap those stars around and leave a review if you can. Pierre, we're headed over to the standings real quick for MLB. Before we wrap up all this show here, the Yankees are still on top. Uh, Toronto is in second place, 16-10 and 10 in the AL East. Tampa Bay, 15-10. and 10. Boston, 10-16. and 16. Baltimore is down there at 9-16 and 16, mm-hmm. uh, right now. So that's that's how that division is going. Minnesota, we talked about them. They're still up there at the top, 15-10. and 10, But I <laughs> think are. the White Sox are right behind them now, 11-13, along with those Guardians, three and a half games back. Detroit is 6-15. and 15. Kansas City, 8-15. and 15. But I think Kansas City has started to hit the ball around a little bit. Just, just a little bit they've started to hit it. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, not, not much, but a little bit. <laughs> the Angels are out there at seventeen and ten. Otani just going crazy. I think our guy uh, Joe, Joe Madden, Joe Madden, he would yes. love to get Otani to win the Cy Young and like the MVP thing, the Silver Slugger Award or something. I think he would love that. Houston uh, fourteen and eleven. Seattle twelve and thirteen. Texans ten and fourteen. Oakland ten and fifteen. That's going to mm-hmm. be a close division all the way till the end. I don't know that anybody could pull away in that division. It'll be tough. Um, I, I like the the Angels. I like Otani. Uh, he's a, I think like a once in a lifetime type of player. So hopefully people appreciate the the talent that he is, to to have the bat that he has, have the pitching that he has. I think it's you know kind of similar to what you hear about Babe Ruth, uh, that some of us really didn't get to see you know back in the day. So Mike Trout, I've always been a, a fan of his. It'd be nice to see him have success. The Astros are going to be interesting. The Astros are always there. Folks dislike them because of the whole cheating scandal. But regardless, they're they're in play, and they'll continue to be in play. Uh, they got some pitchers there. You know, Verlander, you know, looks good now that he's coming off the, the surgery. So I think it will be Astros, Angels. I'm hoping Seattle can kind of have a run like they did last year. Rangers got out of the basement. You know, they were in the basement uh, there for a bit. Uh, they won four in a row. Uh, which is pretty big for them, given how much money they spent. But I do think it will come down to the two that are up there now, uh, which are Angels and Astros. Over in the NL East, the Mets, Miami, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Washington. Washington is down at the bottom in nine and eighteen. Mets are eighteen and nine. Miami's four and a half back. Atlanta is six, and so is Philadelphia. Six back. Uh, it's going to be a good division too. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. take away from take, <laughs> get get Washington out of there, then we'll see what happens. I thought I can't Philly believe- would be better. Like yeah. they have bats, like bats on bats. Schwarber, Castellanos, obviously Bryce Harper, uh, Reese Hawkins, Romulo. Yeah. They have a lineup of bats, but they can't figure it out. They've lost three in a row again, and the uh, the Mets may run away with this thing, honestly. Yeah, they they really might. The run differential there is plus thirty one for them. They're they're doing really good. Well, what is you know I, we we talk about the maps and uh, we say we make fun of me because I have a little bit of confusion in the NFL of where the South and the West and these teams are. <laughs> what is Miami doing in the same division with these guys? I mean, what, I'm what telling is Miami you, doing? it's so weird how they. I don't know how they map these things out. It, it drives me crazy. Uh, I don't know. I guess they're they're technically east. Uh, I see it south, but I guess they're on the east side of the map as well. So here you, you got to drive there? down. You got to drive down to get to Miami. Everybody has to drive <laughs> down to get to Miami, and that's south. There's no south though. There's no south in baseball. <laughs> There's no crying either. There's no south in baseball. NL Central, Milwaukee sitting on top, eighteen and eight. Talk about a, a team that might run away with something. They have been woo 
they have been firing yeah. it up on all cylinders on offense, man. Of course, they were playing the Cincinnati <laughs> Reds, yeah. who are 3-22. and 3-22, and 22, Pierre. St. Louis is in second place in that division, three games back. Pittsburgh is in third, seven games back, and our Cubs. Our Cubs are slowly fading away at eight games behind. And like I said, Cincinnati, 14 and a half games back. Three games. Pierre, look at that. Look at that. I was thinking about the runs allowed today, and, mm-hmm. and Cincinnati – is running away with that record. 166 runs allowed so far this year, Pierre. Nobody, well, there's Washington at 144, that nobody else is even close. It's been brutal. And, you know, you look at three wins, like they were, they were right in the mix last year. You know, they, they had a, you know, Sonny Gray was there, Luis Castillo. Obviously they had some bats with Castellanos was one of their big bats there. Winkler, all those guys are gone now. And, they're just kind of rebuilding, which is weird because Joey Votto is still on the roster. I don't know if that's just a loyal, loyalty thing or, or what, because the, the Cubs had no loyalty. They got rid of all <laughs> their, yeah. their star players for that World Series. But, you know, we're, we're rebuilding too, but the Reds are just going about it a, a weird way, and they're getting throttled. Um, you mentioned the the Brewers and how many runs they've given up. You know, they've they've lost. Like how many? How many now? Nine in a row? So they're, they're going on almost one more loss, and it's their second. Already their second 10-game losing streak <laughs> if they lose one more in a row. That's impressive this early in the season. Yep, just pick on the Reds right now from a DFS <laughs> perspective. Whether it's pitching or whether it's hitting, just go against the Reds. Dodgers, the team I love to hate right now. Dodgers, San Diego, <laughs> Colorado, San Francisco, and Arizona are all right there uh, together. Uh, four and a half games separating the top from the bottom there. Yeah. Arizona sitting on the bottom. So that's, that's, that's a really cool division to see. It is. I think Arizona will fall off. Um, Errol Kelly's look really good from a, a pitching standpoint, but uh, I don't know how to kind of filter away the rest of these four. I think all these other four could be in contention to have, you know, either solid bats or solid pitching staffs. Even the Rockies, I know you don't think of the Rockies with a, a big pitching staff, but they got pitchers that know how to pitch in Coors Field with, with Marquis, with Kyle Freeland. They got guys that can pitch there now. So their their bats can get going, stay hot. CJ Crone, obviously, you know Chris Bryant, Connor Joe. It'll be interesting to see how this this division plays out. I hope it's not the Dodgers, uh, as all teams. I hope it's not them, but, but it probably will be. But it's going to get interesting. A lot of a lot of talent within this division. Pierre, we're starting to see the bats get up to around 100 at-bats now, right? We're getting mm-hmm. 25, 26 games into the regular season now, and so I think we can get a good barometer of some of these things. I like to look at hits. I don't like to necessarily look at average. I like to see the hits equate to the average or the OBP or uh, you mm-hmm. know the, any of those things, the ex-wobas and all that stuff. Uh, and whenever I look at this, Manny Machado's leading the league in hits with a 365 average right now, almost 100 <laughs> at-bats. Wow, Manny Machado finally coming around to being I don't like a really really big superstar he's always been a great player but Mm -hmm. I mean this this might be the superstar year and it's a good time for him because you know you got Tatis is out right now so it's a really good time for him to step up be that superstar for the Padres and he's been that um he's hitting the the cover off the ball so good for him we all knew you know his his talent you know even when he was you know the Yankees had the big acquisition of him as well uh, he was with the Dodgers for a while, so he's been with those teams. You're not with those teams unless you're talented because those teams can basically afford everybody. Uh, so now he's out there with San Diego, and he's off to a really hot start. 
Yeah, he is. And there's also five home runs, five stolen bases. I think he's the number one fantasy player right now. Number mm-hmm. two is Jose Ramirez, I believe. Xander Bogarts, 34 hits, 354 average. Wonderful, wonderful average for him. Ty France, that's a name out there. I don't <laughs> think a lot of people were drafting really high. They, he was kind of looked at as being a steal. I really want him. I'm trying to trade for him left and right, and I can't get him. I can't get him on my team. I'm too he's been free. good. He's I'm been good free. out in Seattle for sure. Um, I think he was like 6K. On DFS the other night, and I'm like, why is he that much? And I looked at his logs, I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah, there it is. That explains it. 33 hits, 333 average. Josh Bell. This is w- the weird thing about Washington. They got two mm-hmm. guys right there at the top of their lineup, Josh Bell and Cesar Hernandez. Both of them 32 uh, hits apiece. Josh Bell's batting 356. Cesar Hernandez batting 278. But yet they're they're down in last place in that division. They just can't seem to uh, get any pitching right now. And maybe that'll help yeah. out with Strasburg coming back at some point. You got to hope. Obviously, they, they traded, you know, Scherzer at the end of last year and Trey Turner, who I know is not a pitcher, but they're, they're kind of in a rebuild themselves. Uh, we got Juan Soto, um, who we didn't mention, who's probably the best player on their team. But, yeah, they can they can score runs. You know, they, they got offense. I think Nelly Cruz is even there also, but mm-hmm. you got to be able to get outs on the other side. And, and right that now, helps. you look at the runs against, as you mentioned, you know, 135 runs against compared to, you know, 107 scored. So most runs against – in their division, uh, for sure. Home runs. Leading the league. C.J. Crone, Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, all with nine home runs right now. Nine home <laughs> runs with just about 100 at-bats. Uh, I think you multiply that by six, and those guys are going to hit 54 home runs apiece. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. I'm happy for Rizzo. It hurts the scene because he always started off slow in Chicago. Yep. Uh, he didn't tend to warm up until the the summertime, but he's he's hot he's hot right now. Obviously got judged there uh, as well. He's usually you know right behind him in the order. So nice one two punch there for the Yankees. CJ Crone I think has been a surprise. Um, he had a pretty good year in Minnesota. He he had a good year uh, in Detroit, but not like he's having in, in Colorado. Obviously it helps being out there with all the altitude. Uh, but nine for him. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is is heating up, though. Um, I pay attention mm-hmm. to him there with the Astros. He's up to eight. I think four or five of those have been within, like, the last week and a half. So yeah. uh, he's he's going to be on their their tails. I think Rizzo will probably tell off. Crone will probably tell off, tell off his bit as well. Uh, Judge will probably be there for the long haul, though. Yeah, yeah, Willie Thomas, he's there as well, shortstop for Milwaukee, hitting only 235, selling out for power, though. He has eight home runs as well. Byron <laughs> Buxton with eight home runs, and I don't know that he's hit one in a week, uh, but he's he's doing that with 292 average. Nolan Arenado, a guy who we all kind of wrote off a little bit, he used to play at Colorado. He's got seven home runs with a 360 average, doing really, really well this year. And Vlad, Vlad has been kind of quiet. You know, he had that three home run game, and now he's just sitting mm-hmm. at seven and just kind of staying there with Jose Ramirez, Austin Riley, Schwarber, and Talese. Rowdy, big rowdy. <laughs> yeah, Vlad, got, he has to get some a little more help, uh, I think, around him. Uh, I think teams are, are pitching around him a bit. Uh, Bo Bichette started to heat up a bit, so that should help. Uh, but you look at Teoscar Hernandez, I believe he's been banged up a bit. Uh, uh, Griel uh, hasn't been the, the greatest either. So once the, once they get a little hotter uh, with the bats behind him, then I think he might see some more pitches uh, where they don't basically just pitch around him so he can't beat them. Uh, obviously, I'm a big Schwarber guy, uh, former Cub, went to IU, checks all the boxes for me uh, in Philly. 
which is a really good left-handed hitting power park. Obviously, we saw that with Bryce Harper. Uh, we saw that with you know Ryan Howard back in the day as well. So I think Schwarber could probably stay in the mix there. Uh, Rowdy, uh, Deleuze is a little interesting, but you know the, the Brewers are smashing the ball. A part of that could be the the Reds that they've been playing, but you know mm-hmm. he's he's right in the mix right now. Uh, Trout, you, you obviously can't keep him out of there. He's at six, so this race is going to get interesting as the year goes on. Sure is. Leading the league in RBIs, Jose Ramirez with 29, and a lot of people below him at 23s, 22s, 21s. So he's he's really crushing it right now. The Guardians mm-hmm. are putting up a lot of runs. If you can get a piece of that pie, uh, especially out of those first five or six players that they have in that lineup, I would go ahead and go out there and get them. I think there, there, there might still be some people out there on that radar that that maybe didn't get picked up yet uh maybe a josh naylor he could be there uh, th- that guardian lineup is just a really good lineup a lot of runs being scored they are scoring runs uh the average concerns me a bit like for me reyes okay don't yeah leave for me reyes <laughs> don't go pick up for me reyes I, I would hope he gets uh heated up but whenever i went over to the strikeouts with this is what I wanted to cover next. He's at the yeah. top of the list with four. I'm telling you. I, I'm telling you. Owen, Owen Miller's been really good. Yeah. Um, I know he's not hitting for power necessarily, but he's been good as well. But, yeah, Reyes, uh, he has talent. But, yeah, he, he swings and misses an awful lot in that lineup. And I'm pretty sure he's right behind Ramirez in the batting order. So pay attention to that situation in case Ramirez starts getting pitched around as well. Dansby Swanson is second in strikeouts with 36. Duvall, 34. Come on, Atlanta. Atlanta, <laughs> what are you doing? They got rid of Freddie Freeman. They lost that juju. Patrick Wisdom at 34 right there. Uh, Julio Rodriguez at 33. Come on there, Rook. Come on, Rook. Boy, it's, that's hard to get a lot of playing time when you're striking out 33. Judge, Stanton, Adamas, Bichette, Gallo, they're all right mm-hmm. there in the 30s. Yeah, I mean, a lot of power hitters is it's one thing I notice when you're naming off those players. Guys swinging for the fences. Uh, so you'll, you'll have that with some of the power hitters. Uh, a lot of baseball has been that way. Uh, that was one of the things I, I didn't like about the Cubs, even when we were, were winning, is that for a while there we became a, a home run or strikeout type team, uh, which is tough. Um, it's tough. You need to get, have guys that can, you know, hit for average, you know, slap the ball around, keep it in play, et cetera. Uh, you don't have that a lot with home run hitters, and so strikeouts will go up. Why Dancy Swans is up there not being a home run hitter, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> hopefully the, the Braves can figure it out. I know they just got a Kuna back. So maybe they'll they'll get going once it gets a little warmer down there in Georgia. Yeah, he's dropped that tonight in the order. He's almost dropped off of one or two of my teams that I have him on. Well, by the way. He's almost, uh, leading the league in stolen bases, nine for Julio Rodriguez. So he's striking out a lot. But when he gets on base, somehow, some way, he's ended up running really, really hard, really, really fast. He's got nine stolen bases, and he's leading the league. Mateo with Baltimore has seven stolen bases. Neither one of them get on base a lot, though, a 230 average, a 232 average. And then Harrison Bader, who's got a 234 average, he's right there at third with six stolen bases, along with Tommy Edmond and Miles Straw. Yeah, it's weird having the the two Cardinal guys up there because, I mean, I know Bader's been down at the bottom of the order. They kind of move Edmond around. Sometimes he leads off. Sometimes he's in the 6-0 but it's weird that they're so, you know, aggressive just because they do have power guys like Goldsmith. Uh, obviously, they got Arenado, who we mentioned earlier, but they're they're taking off. And uh, that's what you need. I mean, it's not really a, a stolen base, you know, type of, of game anymore. It doesn't happen often. You have a handful of guys that do it, but it's not like Ricky Henderson, Juan Pierre, you know, those types that are just, you know, stolen on everybody. Uh, but it's good to, to have guys, I, I know from a, a fantasy standpoint, it's like five points. Uh, for stolen base when it comes to your your DFS life. So 
Uh, you definitely pay attention to that. You want them to get on base. Obviously, if they're not on base, they can't steal. Uh, but, I mean, even Machado, like you mentioned, he's up there as well with stolen bases with five, batting uh, 365. So he's running more. And Luis Robert, as you call him, you know, batting mm-hmm. 266, he's running. So there's guys that are, are stealing. It's hard to come by. So if you can get them, if they're on the waivers, if you need steals, I, I take a look at some of those guys like Mateo uh, that may not be on roster. I am really debating on whether or not to get Adam Clymer on a fantasy team of mine because it, it does holds, it does saves, it does wins, it does everything, mm-hmm. right? It feels like. And he's, he's tied for the league lead in wins, but I, he's got some holds, he's got some saves, he's got everything. So he's kind of a <laughs> do-it-all guy there for Toronto. At least he was in the early part of the season. I wonder, though, if it's going to tail off here as arms get stretched out a little bit more and maybe Clymer won't be so effective and leaned upon to go those two, three, four innings or something like that. Potentially, I don't. I don't like the win stat personally. Um, yeah. I prefer the the quality innings. Uh, wins is just so random. You can have guys with great outings, and the bullpen blows it. But um, it's possible. You you like to have those guys that can kind of get you a little bit of everything. Uh, they're good, especially when you have just the, the pitching spots. I know some, you know, starting pitcher and then pitcher. You can get some of those Swiss Army knives uh, that either long relief or can come in for you know saves, those type of things. It's nice to have them in the pitching spot because you can uh, get both wins, uh, both saves in some of those situations, holds if you have holds. So it's good to have those Swiss Army guys out of the bullpen for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying about quality starts, but I was looking at the definition of quality starts and, and you know, because I'm trying to figure out how to get a quality start. I'm trying to figure out how to get a save, maybe, you know, just mm-hmm. uh, the MLB rules. And, and boy, after reading 10 pages, I figured out a quality start. I, I'm just that there wasn't 10 pages. <laughs> Uh, was like six innings and mm-hmm. less than three runs or three on three, three runs or less. And I was sitting yep. there going, what that, that is tough to do nowadays because whenever I am doing proposition bets, maybe on prize picks or someplace else like that, I'm always penciling people in for like five innings plus a little bit more, May, not necessarily six innings. I don't know if I depend on any pitcher to go six innings anymore, Pierre, <laughs> and it may just well, be this time of year. And you only have to, to, as a starter, you only have to go five to qualify for the win. So I, that's right. why I also like the you have to go six for the, the quality start because it's, it's not someone that's, you know, just going five and, you know, not throwing a lot of pitches. Uh, also for wins, like you mentioned, you have guys that are coming in out of the bullpen that maybe go one inning or they, they come in yeah. in a rough situation and they end up getting the win just because the team scores in the bottom half of that inning. So um, that's why I prefer the, the quality start, go six, have a pretty solid outing. I feel is it goes a lot more than just uh, the win itself, uh, just because you came in and pitched when your team was tied you know, in a game. Logan Gilbert, Alex Manoia, Ty- Tyler McGill, Joe Musgrove, Max Scherzer all have four wins. I think the one that jumps out at me the most there is Logan Gilbert, who has mm-hmm. a 64 ERA, point six four. ERA. That's amazing. Uh, I've heard about the things that Logan Gilbert was going to do. I tried to draft him. I just wasn't ever able to have any of Logan Gilbert on any of my teams. And it really frustrated the stew out of me, to be (laughs) honest with you, because I heard that he was hanging out with DeGrom in the offseason, that he was learning some tips, learning some tricks. And Logan Gilbert right now might be the best pitcher in the MLB, not only right now, but also for the entire year. Yeah, he's been really good, and he's not, like, necessarily overpowering. Like, he's only going to get you, you know, four to, to six strikeouts or so, but 
he just works his own. He, he throws strikes. And sometimes that's what you need out of guys. And, you know, Seattle, pretty pretty solid part uh, from a pitching standpoint. Um, but he's won, what, four out of, I think, five have been on the road. Uh, he's been in Minnesota, uh, at the White Sox, at Tampa, at Miami. Yeah, those are, are pitching parks as well. But being able to go on the road as a pitcher and get those type of quality starts and wins, I think goes a long way while not giving up any runs at all. I think he's given up, what, three runs, maybe two runs all year. I think three to earn. I think whenever I pick a safe guy or, you know, the reliever kind of guy and I go to that category, I always try to go with a robust selection. It doesn't always work out that way because some <laughs> of those guys get off there quick. And so you got to kind of build up, especially in a five by five categories league or something like that. Uh, whenever I do this, though, Jordan Romano is that bust guy, you know, like the a robust mm-hmm. guy, I should say. He's got 12 leading the league with 12 saves right now. Josh Hader and Taylor Rogers. I looked into Taylor Rogers in a couple of places. He's, he's in Minneapolis and he went to San Diego and I was benefiting from that. They both have 10 <laughs> right now, Pierre. Yeah, and they're on teams that are winning. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the key when it comes to closers. It's great to have closers. It's great to have big names. Uh, but you want to be on teams that are, are winning games because they're putting you in an opportunity to get saves and, you know, you mentioned Toronto. They're right up there with the Yankees in their division. Obviously, the, the Brewers are, are beating up on the, the Pirates, Cubs, and Reds of the world and leading their division. Padres are the same. They're right there with the, the Dodgers, as are the, the, the Rockies. So you have teams that are right there in the mix winning games. And that's what you really want out of your closer. You don't want them to be on, you know, the Nationals, even if it's the sure. best arm. If they don't have opportunities, it's not going to do you any good. So you definitely want to target those those closers on teams that you feel – um, are going to win the division or are going to win a lot of games. I think one of those guys is Joe Barlow, who Texas, I believe, will start winning some games a little bit more so than what they have been. They've definitely dumped enough money into winning games, I believe. <laughs> yeah. And Joe Barlow has been named the closer there. He has three saves right now. He might still be out there on the waiver wire somewhere for you. And I do expect the Texas Rangers to be able to win more games than what they have been, Pierre. That's just what I yeah, think. Yeah, and that's that's something to look for Like right now if you're in need of saves. Look for teams that might be in the basement that you feel they're probably better than what their record shows. And I, I think like was it um, you know, Knable, is that how you say it? Yeah. Corey Knable for the Phillies. Mm-hmm. If you feel like the Phillies are going to turn around, you know, he might be out there. He only has four right now, but he has a, a pretty good ERA. Uh, when he gets the opportunity, he seems to, to shut it down. But right now, you know, he's not up there because the, the Phillies just aren't winning. So look for teams that maybe are losing more than they should and see if any of those guys are out on waiver wires with a low amount of saves strictly because the, the team hasn't gotten hot yet. Burns, McClanahan, Scherzer, Gosman, Nola, Otani, Rodon, Cease, Montas all have a lot of strikeouts. All right, mm-hmm. I, I hate to do it because you don't know how many games they've started. So it's really hard to yeah. do. Uh, and I can't figure out how to do uh, K per nine right now. I can't figure it out. I'm sure it's on here somewhere. <laughs> I just don't know where to hit. But walks, walks are always one of those things. I always like to look at the opposite of stuff. Vladimir mm-hmm. Gutierrez, 17 walks right now. Matt Brash has given up 17 walks to 19 strikeouts. <laughs> but so, Gutierrez. So, Otani is leading right now uh, for K per nine. He's at 14. He's tied with Shane McCallahan. Uh, they're both tied at 14 at K per nine. Carlos Rodon, uh, 12.7 coming in third. Uh, then Scherzer and Cease uh, round out the top five, both with a little over 12 K per nine. 
Yeah, I, I was afraid to click off because sometimes if I click off of something, I can never <laughs> find my way back here. I can't find my way back. Uh, I understand. Ian Anderson, he's pitching pretty well right now for the the Atlanta Braves, Braves. but mm-hmm. they're three. They're three. He's three and one, four oh one ERA, and he's given up fifteen walks to eighteen strikeouts. Pierre, that might be one of those sell high guys. Just because if he can't find the strike zone, that's going to lead to some danger, especially in Atlanta, where the ball seems to fly out of the park there. You put guys on base, there could be some letdown games for Ian Anderson in the future. Yeah, and I, I thought he started to tell off a bit last year. So even though they, you know, ultimately, you know, won, you know, got, got Freddie Freeman in the ring, like there towards, you know, end of the postseason, he started to, to tell off a bit. So that was something that I – you know, had mine and my fantasy team itself isn't doing great right now, but he was just one that when you see them start to decline, you, you got to think about, is this, is this a hiccup or is this just who they are? And with him, it felt like this might be who he was. So I, I thought it started a little bit last year, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how he, he plays out uh, here these next few weeks for the Braves, if he can turn it around, but he might just be uh, the player that he is. I know he comes out of the bullpen a little bit more. I think he has some spot starts. Aaron Ashby, though, is a name we need to put on the radar. He's 0-2 for the Milwaukee Brewers right now, but I think that both of those losses came mm-hmm. earlier in the season. A 2.33 ERA. He's started two games. He's appeared in six games. So, like I said, it's a little bullpen thing going on there, too. Yeah. Uh, but he has th- only 13 walks to 22 strikeouts. And I've seen Milwaukee do this time and time again, and you know this, where they get those secondary pitchers and really make them become into something more than what they are. I don't know how they do it, but they have really good bullpen coaches. It feels like uh, right now our pitching coaches and Aaron Ashby was one of those names that you want to put on your radar. They do. And what, what they'll start doing is kind of similar to what you see around some teams. I think Tampa probably does it the most is like that opener, that, that, that starting opener, then a, a long reliever. You yeah. see guys like like Ashby will, will come in and be an opener. May not see it now because they're healthy with, you know, Peralta and Burns and Woodruff. Uh, Hauser, who was one of those openers last year a bit, mm-hmm. uh, you can see Ashby start to definitely be that guy if they get a little worn down or, you know, one of those guys get banged up in the rotation. So definitely keep an eye on it because they start to get stretched out. And once they start to get stretched out as that opener, you know, they might let them go, you know, your five innings, six innings, the minimum to get that win. So you definitely want to be out in front of that uh, if that if and when that situation happens. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Okay, Pierre, we won't even go into Madison Bumgarner and how great of an incredible season he's doing right now and how he got ejected <laughs> from that game last night. But it was very amusing, very amusing. It was uh, odd how that umpire was just staring <laughs> at him while looking at his hand. That was it weird. Was, but a great 175 ERA, I think it is right now. Pierre, I love being able to talk about all these different sports. I can't wait to talk about DFS football again with you, though, over there on the DFS Dreamer podcast on the Fantasy Impact Today Network after everything gets going i don't know we're not going to do preseason DraftKings, though are we no probably probably not no no we can't no i can't wait till week one though when we're just yes. rolling out those things that's going to be so much fun but good job pierre good tonight i appreciate you making time for everybody buddy we've been very consistent in doing this and i know our listeners are being consistent as well in leaving reviews slapping those stars around on whatever platform that you're listening to us on and we really do appreciate all the help thank you for following pierre over on twitter at peewee 31 following me as well at loafnet on twitter and don't forget to follow the show at fi today with a little underscore but more importantly the and all those other things fit fam we always want to encourage you to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today 